Hi, I'm Katie. And I'm Dr. Cubitt. We're going beyond the barn. Come join us on this journey as we bust equine and livestock nutrition myths and interview some of the most intriguing experts in the country. We'll go behind the scenes of how premium Western quality forage is grown and brought to your favorite farm and ranch retail store. We're so glad you're here. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Barn, and I have Dr. Cubit back with me today. Hi, Dr. Cubit. Hi, Katie. How are you? Doing well. It's uh, weather is getting nice, and that makes me very happy. <laughs> yes, yes, me too. So today we're going to be talking about how to keep my horse from eating too much or too fast. And we were just discussing about how this may be more of a mindset shift for us as horse owners and looking at what we're asking our horses to do and how we can get them back to being as close to what they're used to being in the wild um, as natural grazers. And so I think this is going to be a really interesting topic for us to talk about today. Absolutely. You're right. It's not so much about eating too much. I mean, sometimes we've got weight loss cases or too fast, but how do we mimic that grazing behavior, which is what horses are meant to do? Right. So just to get us started, and I know that we you know, have talked about this a handful of times, but I think it's always important for us to remember these things. But can you give us a quick refresher on how much hay a horse needs in their diet and more for pasture, I'm guessing? Sure. So let's take away the word hay and use dry matter. And a horse needs to eat one and a half to two and a half percent of their body weight in dry matter. So, you know, the dry forage per day. Um, I'm going to use two and a half percent, for example. Let's say we've got a thousand pound horse. That would mean they would need to eat 25 pounds of dry matter per day. Now, the reason why you can pretty much interchangeably use dry matter and hay is because hay is, you know, 95 to 100% dry matter anyway. But where it becomes more important is when we're looking at pasture. And we're recording this right now, and it's spring, and that lush spring grass is about 20% dry matter and 80% water. So the actual amount of that wet pasture that they would have to consume to give me that two and a half percent of their body weight, that 25 pounds, would actually be 125 pounds of pasture a day that they would have to eat to get 25 pounds of dry matter. So you can see how that's just really impractical for a lot of our horse owners. They don't have the land size. They don't have that much pasture available. Typically, we say in order for a horse to consume that much, they need to have two acres available to them, two acres per horse, so not two acres for five horses, but two acres per horse, and that two acres need to, needs to have 75% coverage of good plant material. And they're going to have to be out there for about 12 to 17 hours in order to consume that quantity of dry matter, if all of that makes sense. Yes, I've, I was just thinking about that as you were talking. And when we think about how much a horse is actually out there grazing at one time, uh, that explains why is because they're getting so much moisture in every time that they take a mouthful of grass. 
Yes. Now, you know, some of our listeners may be very well read on the internet and may have read the studies that, oh, well, ponies went out to pasture and within two hours ate three times their body weight of pasture. Um, Well, it's not really three times their body weight, but it seems like they're doing that. And that is true, but that is because ponies are very nifty and they learn very quickly. And so our typical turnout strategy is that they're in stalls and especially with ponies, well, we'll just turn them out for a couple of hours and then quickly bring them back in so they don't eat too much. Well, they learn, I'm only going to be out here for a couple of hours, so I need to eat like crazy. And they do. But when horses are out all the time and they have free choice access to pasture, they self-regulate, they slow down, they know it's not going away, and it will typically take between 12 and 17 hours for them to consume 2.5% of their body weight in dry forage, dry matter. So That's very interesting. So how much should a horse, you know, when we're thinking about not necessarily on pasture, but when we're having to feed them and this, you know, could go for their grain or, you know, their hay, whatever we're giving them, but how much should a horse be fed at one time? And does this matter if we're talking about just hay or just grain or both? 100% it matters what we're talking about. If we're talking about hay, think about hay like pasture, you could give them 50 pounds at once, they're going to nibble on it. That's what horses do. When it comes to grain, though, that's what we have to be more careful about how much we give them. I don't like to feed any more than, say, three to five pounds in a single meal. And you think, well, three to five pounds, that's kind of a wide range. I'm going to be able to go on the higher end, the five pounds, if the grain that we're feeding, the bagged concentrate, is high in fiber. So it's got a lot of beet pulp in there, soy hulls. It's a fiber-based feed. But if we're feeding more of a cereal grain-based, you know, a sweet feed, cob, corn, oats, barley kind of thing, then I'm going to err on the lower end. And the reason is horses just aren't meant to eat cereal grains. We ask them to because we ask them to do a lot of things they're not meant to do, you know, have us ride them, live till they're 30, have babies every year, jump jumps, run, all of that. So we do need to feed them more concentrated calorie sources. And that's why we feed cereal grains. But we know that the horse's digestive system is not very efficient at breaking those down. So to capitalize on the efficiency of the digestive system, we feed smaller amounts, but more frequently. So I might have a racehorse that I need to feed 12 pounds of sweet feed to in a day to give it the calories and the energy it needs to run. But I'm going to try and split that up into four meals of three pounds, say. Okay. And speaking of that, I know you have a perfect world answer, but then I also know that the world that we live in, you know, when somebody works a nine to five job, they don't always have the availability to be there to feed their horses multiple times. But how do you feel like we could give some recommendations to horse owners about how many times a day we can feed them or suggestions on how to do that when we're busy? So the first thing we're going to look at is the forage, because really the hay, if you look at a thousand pound horse, they're going to eat 25 to even 30 pounds of hay a day. And they're eating between six and eight standard, six and eight, maybe even less pounds of grain. So the majority of their nutrition is coming from hay. So we want to make sure that we can split that up 
but also then, you know, as we get further, we'll talk more about uh, slow feed hay nets, but use contraptions that will help us spread out that hay. So I'm going to supply it to them once a day or twice a day, but it's going to slowly be provided to them. And when it comes to the grain, it definitely becomes more difficult, but that's when we're going to really look for a better quality bag of grain is going to be more concentrated with nutrients and calories and protein in more available sources. So we can feed them less. That's just number one. But then there are other kind of uh, slow feed buckets. There's one that's got these holes in the bottom of it. It's called a waffle feeder. If you Google it, I can't remember the exact name of it, but that also slows them down. So if you go, if you have to be on the upper end, say that five pounds, then this will at least slow them down. Okay, good. So then how, what can happen if a horse, I mean, we're talking, you know, a little bit about what happens when a horse eats too much or too fast. Um, And there's a number of different scenarios, I think, where something like this can happen. And I think it also depends on the horse's situation, like we've talked about in the past, whether they're already dealing with other, you know, metabolic issues or what have you. But what happens if a horse overeats more than their norm, other than the obvious that they're going to gain weight over time? So maybe they get turned out on a fresh pasture when they've been in a dry lot for 24 seven, and there's no transition, or maybe they can just consume too much when they're grazing every day, what can happen to the horse? Some examples. So you've given me 15 different questions that you wrapped (laughs) into one. So, okay. So the first thing was you mentioned two words, overeat versus eat too fast. Two different things, right? We've got a horse that eats too fast. Well, the very, the worst case scenario when a horse eats too fast is they choke. Um, And so we want to slow a horse down so that it's just slowly consuming. Um, Horses choke very rarely. They, They don't really choke on an actual ingredient they choke because they ate too fast. It's a behavioral thing. And then the other part, the other word you used was overeats, eats too much. Okay, well, the simplest thing will happen is you waste your money because all that food just flows very quickly through the digestive system and out the other end. And so you're just making manure. That's if they overeat in a window of time. If they're just chronically overeating throughout the whole day, yeah, they're going to gain weight. But if they're overeating, say at mealtime, you're feeding them eight pounds of grain in a single meal. Um, They're getting too much. Literally, it's going to flow through the stomach. It's going to go into the small intestine where there's enzymes that break down that food. Those enzymes are going to get used up really fast and then will flow through to the hindgut of the horse. Now, if you're lucky, it'll just flow out the other end and make more manure. But if you're unlucky, you're going to cause colic. So then there was another part to your question. Let's say we turned them out and we made a rapid feeding change, right? they weren't used, they've been on a dry lot, and then you turn them out to pasture, um, that's a whole nother story. That is, now we made a rapid feeding change. It's just like the pony got out of his stall and he got into the feed room and he ate a bag of grain. That's a rapid feeding change and the bacteria in the hindgut need 21 days to fully adjust to new types of food. And so going from winter where they're eating a lot of hay to slowly adapting them to spring grass. If you think about a horse in the wild, it's not like one day it's winter and the next day there's, you know, spring grass up to their knees. Right. 
slowly the spring grass comes on and slowly they're nipping and slowly those bugs are adapting to that that spring grass and they're fine and also horses usually in the wild will come out of the winter thin so any excess carbohydrates won't be a problem we though you know we're trying to save our pastures we don't want to turn the horses out on them too much if it's muddy we don't want them to ruin them so there are all these other management factors that go into it so we do end up taking a horse from a stall eating hay to okay everything's kind of aligned we're going to turn them out today for a couple of hours and the spring grass is up to their knees and you'll see diarrhea loose manure because that's just a rapid feeding change and again worst case scenario your horse would colic Yes, and that that's a pretty bad bad scenario there. Yes. <laughs> so you had briefly talked about earlier how sometimes horses, especially if you keep them, if you let them out on limited grazing and then bring them back in, they kind of get used to knowing that they're only going to have a couple hours to eat, so they chow down as much as they can. Is there a happy balance or what do you normally recommend to horse owners when we are transitioning from that spring to summer, you know, moving more off hay and getting more onto pasture? Where's that happy medium there to where we can transition them properly without making them feel like they have to stuff their faces? Sure. And it's going to be perfect world again. And if we didn't have to work and we could just do whatever we wanted with our horses every day, then I'm going to say first thing in the morning, we're going to start turning them out for a couple of hours at a time and then bring them back in a couple of hours at a time, bring them back in. Um, What we don't want to do, especially if we're worried about sugars and our particular horse is you don't want to turn them out in the middle of the afternoon as the first time you're turning them out, because that is when the sugar in the grass is at its peak. And I don't think it's a bad idea that when the grass is a little shorter, as long as you don't have a bunch of mud and you're not worried about ruining your pasture, when the grass is a little shorter and there's just not as much bulk available, start turning your horses out. Even if you're just hand grazing them for 30 minutes and then you're building up to an hour, they're getting turned out. So you have to work out what works for your actual setting, but Always go back to, you know, just just gradual introduction because why? Because we're adapting those bugs in the hindgut now from a very dry, coarser fiber to a lot more moisture. The other thing is a lot of reasons why horses will get some transient diarrhea in the spring. It's not actually anything to do with the bacteria. It's more the gut adapting to increased hydration. Um, so kind of like the reverse occurs in the fall and we get impaction colic because the gut is not adjusting fast enough to we've just had a bunch of wet grass and now we're eating a bunch of hay and it's really dry and my gut hasn't adapted in the springtime. We go from feeding a bunch of hay and then we're eating spring grass, which I said is 80% moisture, plus they're drinking. And so the gut has just got to get used to all this extra moisture that's available. The horse gut is so amazing. Just all of the things, I mean, we've talked about probably over the last few weeks, but just identifying, you know, what those changes, how they can really impact the horse and certain times of year and uh, the spring and fall. Yeah, we have to be a little bit more cautious. Absolutely. You know, the old timers used to say that no hoof, no horse, but really for me, it's no gut, no horse. Um, If you negatively impact the gut, your horse will see the repercussions, you know, 10,000 fold. So you got to keep the gut healthy. Right. That's really, uh, really great information. So 
If horses are supposed to constantly eat to keep their digestive systems running smoothly, but let's say they're not grazing on pasture for whatever reason, like you mentioned before, maybe there's not access to pasture or they're in a boarding facility that just doesn't have that availability like they would like to have. Is feeding free choice hay okay? Or horses, are they able to self-regulate their intake? They will if it's there all the time. But what I say to people if this is what they're going to do is, okay, we know that Stanley Hay is very high in nutritional value. It's very good quality. We're going to look at that as where they're going to get real nutrition, calories, vitamins and minerals, protein, energy from. But if we're going to free choice feed hay, you're going to want to look for a hay that is lower in nutritional value, maybe a little coarser, maybe a little stemmier that isn't going to taste great. And they're just going to chew on it all day long. It's going to keep the bugs happy. Maybe they're not going to get a bunch of nutritional value out of it, but it's just something for them to chew on. Keep that saliva being produced. Keep the gut moving. Keep the bugs in the hindgut happy. Okay. So there's kind of a time and place then there for making sure that the horse obviously has something to eat so they don't get bored and maybe start yes. chewing on trees or fences. And But then all, also giving them the quality that they need when they need it. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So if, we, well, I guess in this case, I was going to ask you about, you know, what happens if we have a horse that gets fat on free choice hay, but if we're feeding them free choice hay that works for the situation. We're choosing the correct hay. Yeah, we're choosing the correct hay. Now we can also, I know we're going to talk about grazing muzzles as we answer a few more questions, but one of the other things people can do is let's say they have their horse on free choice hay. And especially at the beginning, the horse is getting used to it always being there and they they are con over consuming a little bit you can put a grazing muzzle on a horse that's eating hay so it's in a dry lot it's got hay 24 7 you can put a grazing muzzle on them grazing muzzles aren't just for grass oh for the pasture okay that's i'm glad you brought that up because i think how I've associated grazing muzzles most of the time has been when horses are out on pasture so i haven't thought about that before yeah. And I've, I've kind of used that trick with the, you know, people work nine to five, they, they can't be out there 24 seven, just offering their horses small amounts of pasture. They're using a, a slow feed hay net. They're, they're doing all the things and the horse is still eating too much. Then we can, we can certainly do that. Okay. So we've already prepped this, but let's talk about ways now that we can get our horse to slow down their eating. And like you said, get back to more of a, and mimic natural grazing behavior, which is really, really healthy for the horse. So what are slow feed hay nets or bags and how can they help our horse limit their hay intake? So, well, first thing, obviously, I've, I've mentioned grazing muzzles and grazing muzzle, if anybody hasn't seen one, it's literally like a, a webbed net thing that fits on like a halter, but it goes over the horse's mouth um, and muzzle. And it has a very small hole in the bottom where they're going to, you know, push it down over the grass or the hay and then small amounts will poke up. So they just can't take a huge mouthful. They're just going to take smaller mouthfuls. So there's that. But then, you know, when we talk about slow feeders or slow feed hay nets or bags, I think most of our listeners will be familiar with hay nets and hay nets 
uh, netted and they have a, a, a usually a pretty decent hole size for the horse to be able to pull that forage through the hay net and eat it. It was kind of a convenience thing. We could get the hay up off the ground so they weren't standing in it and wasting it. But what we found is if we decrease the diameter of those holes, it can actually slow intake. And so Research has shown that if the hay net is, those holes are less than one inch, you can significantly slow down a horse. So I can read some research that was done actually back in 2014 at uh, University of Minnesota. And it showed that feeding hay, if you had a large hay net size or they were just eating it off the ground, it took about three to three and a half hours for them to consume the amount of hay that was provided. That same amount of hay, if you put it in a hay net with holes that were less than an inch in diameter, it took them six and a half hours. So double the amount of time to actually consume it. So that's the trick. Not all slow feed hay nets are equal. And so make sure, measure that the hole that they're going to pull it out of is an inch in diameter or less. Now that's the the net or the bag. There are also, and I mean, you can Google and you can find ones that go over round bales, go over big three string bales, small bales. I mean, there's all different options out there. But then if you can make things, I've seen other things where they take what I would call in Australia a wheelie bin, but you just call it a trash can, I guess. You know, the ones you put out on the side of the road. Yep. They literally took one, put a whole hay bale down in it, and then they used a clip to to stop the lid coming up. And down at the base in the front, they had cut a hole and used um, kind of netting that you would use on a, on a hay net and stapled that on the inside. And so that was where the horse was picking it out. It was just pulling it out that hole. So, you know, there's there's a bunch of different slow feeders that you can make. The trick is make sure the hole that they're pulling out of is less than an inch in diameter. So there, and like you said, there are a ton of hay nets to choose from just option wise of what's available and out there. And there are some that are larger holes. Are there any reasons or any situations where that would be more helpful for any type of horse? Oh yeah, of course. If you've got a horse that you want it to gain weight and you want it to eat as much as it possibly can, you don't want to be putting it in a slow feed hay net. You Give it up to it on the ground. Give it to it in a way that it can consume as much as it needs to consume. Um, these slow feed hay nets are really, they've really become popular in the kind of Jenny, the weight loss world, I guess, because we're still having to provide a certain amount of hay to these horses, but it's usually a smaller quantity. We're usually on the one and a half versus the two and a half percent of body weight, and we're trying to mimic grazing behavior. But yeah, I mean, if you've got a horse that really can eat as much as it wants, then you don't need to use a slow feed hay net. You just have to make sure the hay net's always full. Okay. Is there, and and you talked about because people are always just ingenious with their ideas about basically, um, they call it MacGyver. When you MacGyver something, you just basically work with what you have, you know, and make make or create something that works for you. Um, That's like, the life of a farmer slash rancher slash, I don't know, probably any ag person is you make do with a lot of what you have. But what should hay nets be made out of? Does the material matter? Are there any things that we should avoid? So the only thing that I would say you should avoid is I've seen um, some of the earlier 
do-it-yourself slow feed contraptions used a metal mesh um, that floated down on top of the hay. And what we have found is that that will wear away at the horse's teeth. So um, just be aware of that. Other than that, you don't want anything that whatever fabric or, or twine you're using, you don't want them to be able to chew through it. Um, but just don't use the metal. Yep. So it needs to be strong enough that the horses aren't going to chew through it, but mm-hmm. not metal that where it's going to do any kind of harm to the teeth. Yes. What is the best way that we can use a hay net and how can we safely use them so our horse doesn't get injured, but still help create that similar feeding position to grazing? Um, you know, I personally, again, if the world was perfect and horses weren't fat and we could feed them all the time, then I would say we should be offering horses hay on the ground because that's how they get it in the wild. Um, They're eating off the ground. But you know, that's just not the way it is. So um, a lot of these slow, there there are some actual what they call hay pillows. And so you fill it, it's got one little window that they can pull it out of, but you just throw that on the ground. You can't put much hay in it. You have to fill them regularly so that can become un- impractical. There are other um, slow feed bags slash hay nets that Again, just have a smaller window and the rest of it is solid and you can hang those on the fence. Like typically, you know, if you if you were in pony club or 4-H, you learned that you don't want to hang your hay net too close to the ground because our horses have shoes on and right. they might get their foot stuck in it. Um, and that, that's certainly still an issue. And that's why sometimes I gravitate more towards the, um, you can use something like a Rubbermaid trough, for example, and you put your hay in your slow feed hay net and you throw it all into the Rubbermaid trough. So oh, I see. Then they can't put their foot in it. Now there's just sure there's still some horse that's going to put his foot in it, but um, <laughs> they'll have to work really hard to do that. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So depending on the aggressiveness of your horse, and you'll also find when horses have hay all the time, something to chew on, they get less aggressive. They're less food aggressive. So some of these behaviors like pouring and striking to kind of get the hay, they go away um, and they're they're more calm when they're eating their hay. Okay. That's a good recommendation though. If you do have a horse that, you know, has shoes and you're concerned about yeah. that. Good idea. So for our horses that maybe we feed some hay cubes or pellets, or maybe the majority of the diet is hay cubes or pellets because they have poor dentition. How can slow feeders work for those horses? Are those similar to what you would use for grain as well? Or Yeah, it's the same thing. Um, Typically, if your horse has really poor dentition, and they're on um, a, you know, a high proportion of their diet is coming from pelleted forms of fiber or cubed forms of fiber, you don't need to worry about a slow feed option because at that point, they're probably thin and you're feeding large quantities anyway. So I like to get those horses to a point where, you know, in a day they need to eat 15 to 25 pounds of dry matter and it doesn't change whether it's coming from long stem hay or pellets. So we're looking at over the day supplying 15 to 25 pounds of of forage pellets. Most horses, shoot, you get to a point you can put that out once a day and they're just slowly nibbling away at it at that point. It's it's more like a, a ad lib or free choice feeding. Okay. And for those horses that do get 
cubes or pellets. I, I think maybe it depends on if they're soaking it and it may not make as much sense, but there are slow feeders that people can use for those. Yes. And so if you're you're in a situation like a lot of folks in California will use a lot of cubed forages uh, as a convenience uh, so that we don't have to store a lot of hay. Um, those horses, the same slow feed contraptions, like I was talking about the waffle feeder that has those kind of holes in the same thing. You would use the same feeding strategy as you would for grains to try and slow them down with those pelleted or cube forages. Now, research has actually shown that if you wet food, that they can eat it faster, which is kind of opposite to what most people think. I would say when you're feeding pellets and cubes, I still would wet it all because it never hurts to get more um, moisture into the horse's digestive system. And you can use those slow feeders if you want to slow them down. But anyway, that's just a little side note. No, that's great. And we talked a little bit previously about what grazing muzzles were and how we can use them in certain scenarios. But why would someone use a grazing muzzle when turning their horse out onto pasture? What is that going to do for the horse? So typically we're going to do it again in a situation where we have a horse that is a little bit overweight and we're trying to restrict or slow down their amount that they're consuming while they're out there. When we turn horses out for small windows of time, they are likely to eat more than if a horse is just out 24-7 and constantly grazing, they're going to self-regulate. And so it will just limit some of their intake, especially if we have a horse on a weight loss program, or even if we're just concerned about uh, horses consuming too many sugars and starches, for example. Maybe the horse isn't overweight, but we want to turn him out but we're concerned about him eating too many sugars that are in the pasture. So we might use a grazing muzzle just to limit some of that pasture. We still want them to get the socialization, the exercise, all of those things that they would get from being out to pasture. Um, but later on when he comes in, we're going to feed him a low sugar hay and, and a low sugar grain. So, Okay. And when we turn them out, those horses, anytime they're out on pasture, they always have to have a muzzle on them? Or Yes. Okay. Yes, don't be that owner that says, oh, well, I feel bad for them. I will take it off and I'll just let them have an hour without the muzzle on. No, they have your number. They will wrap you around their little finger. And in that hour, especially if it's a pony, they will consume a boatload way more than they should. They need to. So all the time, try to keep it on them all the time. And that's probably a little tough love that we have to have there because even though we feel bad for them having to wear the grazing muzzle, the alternative. I tell you what's what you feel worse about. You'll feel worse when your horse gets laminitis and its feet try to fall off. So yes. Right. So it's really for, it's in their best interest that we do some of these things mm -hmm. to help them live their health, healthiest lives. So. Yep. And then can any of these slow feed options make a horse stressed? How do we know if we should try something different to avoid stressing our horse? You know, what I have found with some of the uh, slow feed hay nets, this was anecdotal. There's no research on this. Um, when we're hanging them high, like we typically would have, I've anecdotally heard of some neck and back issues because it's a smaller hole 
and they're yanking at it and they're kind of yanking at it in a sideways and down motion, which is not natural. But if we can get that hay net closer to the ground as safe as possible or use my system of putting it in a muck tub or so that they're in a more natural feeding position and they're not doing that kind of sideways yanking, then that neck and back tension uh, will go away. You know, if your horse is stressed, if they've got plenty of hay in their slow feed hay net, but you go to the end of the day, they're not consuming it. You know that they're pacing in the stall. They're walking around. They just seem agitated, uncomfortable. These might be some signs that they're stressed. And maybe that horse just doesn't need a slow feed hay net. Maybe you've got to look for other options. But typically, the one of the things that I've heard is more just the mechanics of how they're pulling it out of the hay net and depending on the height that you're hanging it. And that would make sense. I mean, I guess if you think about putting ourselves in any sort of situation that is out of the norm of the way we eat and having to do something like that, yeah, that could put a lot of stress on a person. It could put a lot of stress on an animal and we don't want to be creating other health issues with our horses when we're trying to help them. So that's a, that's a good tidbit there. Uh, think that is all that we are going to talk about today, but this was really helpful. I think hopefully this gives people some ideas if they're not familiar with how to create that sort of environment where they can get their horses back to that natural grazing behavior, but still allow them to constantly be eating and keeping their, their hind gut healthy, their digestive system continuously working with the slow feed hay net, the slow feeders or grazing muzzle and like we've talked about in many other different situations, it really depends on the person's situation and the specific horse. And so take the tidbits with grain of salt and just know that everybody's situation is different. But I think this will be some really great helpful information for people that are looking at ways to kind of help their horses eat properly. Excellent. We hope so. Before we wrap up, I just want to invite you to reach out to us if you have a specific topic that you'd love for us to talk about regarding nutrition. Reach out to us at podcast at stanleyforage.com. We would love to hear from you. Let us know what you love, what you maybe don't like, and um, we're always open to some great feedback. So Dr. Cubit, until we speak again, I will catch you next time. Until next time. Bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Beyond the Barn podcast by Stanley Forage. We'd love for you to share our podcast with your favorite people and subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or your favorite listening platform. Until next time, keep your cinch tight and don't forget to turn off the water.